ready to go on Pentecost. And then this morning, I, I remember, I got to go back and finish what I had last week. And boy, I'm all ready to give y'all a sermon on Pentecost. But we got to go back and finish up the inheritance. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to share with us the inheritance that Christ purchased for us at Calvary. And oftentimes, you and I, we forget that we have inherited all that Christ desires to give us, but the one who has to impart it into our life is the person of the Holy Spirit. And he desires to do that. And as we went through the, some of the things that we inherit, we inherit holiness, we inherit wisdom, we inherit understanding, we inherit a counselor who will direct us, we inherit supplication where the Holy Spirit intercedes and prays for us, we inherit worship, we're learning to worship and so forth. We inherit truth because before we lived in a lie, we, we lived in our make-believe world. But as you get into the Word of God, you really begin to understand truth. You inherit comfort because in this world we do need to be comforted. You inherit life for the Spirit is life. Jesus gave us life. You inherit an adoption. You've been adopted by the Father. And you need to recognize, yes, you inherit faith. But we've all been given a measure of faith. Now you're going to grow that faith. You've inherited that. It's not something that you just do in and of yourself. You inherit a love that is beyond your understanding why God would love you. You inherit might and strength, power. You inherit sound judgment. You inherit revelation because God wants to reveal himself to you and make himself known to you in a very personal way. You inherit power. You inherit a cleanness of consciousness. When you're saved, God begins to erase your past in the mind. That those things just going to keep doing what? Popping up, popping up, popping up. He cleanses the mind, the thought life. He begins to change that. And then the spirit of grace, you receive grace from the spirit. You inherit that. And you begin to live a life from victory to victory to glory. You inherit that. And in Ephesians 1.14, we left off there last week. We're just going to pick up there. And because in this inheritance, you need to understand that it all comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And it comes through his word. It, it is that which we have, yes. But you know how often we draw upon our inheritance? Most of us, don't even draw upon it. Most of us are not even aware of it. And it's, it's something that, as human beings, we don't recognize that we have this inheritance. We have a great inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. But unless you're drawing upon that inheritance, 
you're just living on these breadcrumbs of earth. And God has called you to live on a higher plane. You don't have to have a million dollars in the bank. But God in himself is your million dollars. For he owns the cattle of a thousand, on a thousand hills. And God would not withhold any good thing for you. He won't withhold it if it's good for you. And he's the judge of that. In 114, he simply said, take these glasses off for a little moment here. Talking of the Holy Spirit, from verse 13, he says, who is the deposit guaranteeing our what? Our inheritance. How do you get the Holy Spirit? You get the Holy Spirit when you're born again. When you're born again, God places the Holy Spirit in your life because he knows you cannot live this Christian life on your own. He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. He knows that we left to ourselves would only destroy ourselves. And he recognizes that we need help. And we'll cover more of that on fourth Sunday when we get into the area of the Pentecost. Because God recognized we could not live the Christian life, nor could we grow in and of ourselves. And a lot of people mix something up. They mix maturity of a man. And a, a young person asked me the other day, when do you know that you're grown? And I said, when you look into scripture, you never define that. Grown up is a human characteristic, something that humans set an age on, 18, 21. Some of us are 50 years old and we're not grown up yet. I'm always a child of God. I'm a child. You can be 90 years old and you're still a child in reality. Why? You're still learning. You're still growing. And he says, he guarantees our inheritance. How many of you ever draw upon your inheritance? If you knew you had a million dollars in the bank, how often would you go to that bank to withdraw something? Or would you live under the same conditions in which you're living under? Or because you know you have a million dollars and you could change your conditions, would you go to the bank and make a withdrawal that would change your condition? And we have this inheritance in the Holy Spirit in which we can take a withdrawal that will change our condition. It will change the way I think. It will change my heart. And if I allow it, and this is the problem sometimes, I don't want my environment to change. I'm used to chaoticness. 
I'm used to dysfunctionally. I'm used to being this way. To change this way of life for me. I wouldn't know how to act or respond or live. And that's exactly what God does. That's why he says the old things for it. Pass away. Behold, all things become new. Because if you seriously walk with God, he's going to change you radically. He's going to change you. If you allow it. If you allow it. He says he's laid up this inheritance that is guaranteed our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When I hit heaven, I don't need the inheritance no more. I have now received all that has been promised and I am living in the promised land when I hit heaven. I don't have to claim, I don't have to talk about the inheritance of healing. I have been completely healed. I don't have to complain about this or complain about that or ask help for this area of my life or that area of my life. Now when I'm in heaven with him, all that is taken care of. It's all removed. It's all done away with. And what we need to recognize is that, yes, he's our inheritance. What causes us to lose our inheritance? What causes us not to draw upon the inheritance that the Holy Spirit wants to impart that Christ has already paid for? First, it's just our own disbelief. We come in here, but we hear not. We see, but we see not. You have to be wanting to hear from God, and you have to want to see what God is doing. Go with me to Ephesians 5 5. Remember, Paul's talking to Christians. Oftentimes when we open up a book and we're reading it, we forget that that book was written to Christians. And it's encouraging Christians. And it's sharing with you the positives and the negatives. It's helping you to recognize what you should not do, but also what you should do. When you get into verse 5, of chapter 5 of Ephesians, he says, for this you can be sure. He says, you can be sure of this now. As I said last week, my kids can be very sure I will not leave a dime to someone who will waste God's money. Because if you understand stewardship, I'm a steward of that which belongs to God, and I will not leave Though they're my biological children, I will not leave God's wealth or God's funds or God's blessing unto those who want to serve the devil and our children of the devil. 
And most of us think when it comes to what we have in our possession, we don't see it as God's and God's blessing. Oh, I'm giving this to my children. I'm giving it to my children. You can give it to the church. You can give it to some group. You can give it to somebody else. You can help somebody else go through college. You can give it to someone else who really wants to have a chance in life, who wants to uh, change life. You can do so many other things with it other than give it to somebody that you know going... The young lady across the street got her mom and dad's home after mom finally died and within a year and a half smoked it away. And another gentleman came along and bought the home for like $36,000. Lovely little brick home. Dad and mom had it all paid for. She stayed in it about maybe a year, year and a half. Lost it all. The young lady in the back, in the house back here, boy, stepmom left it to her. She started taking these loans against it because the house is paid for. But ran up $82,000 that she couldn't pay. You really have to consider your children when it comes to your inheritance. Will it really be a blessing to them or will it be a curse? Will they misuse it? And that's what God does with us. If I allow my child to draw upon this inheritance, will they misuse it? Listen to Christians pray all caught up in sin, just as simple as they can be, caught up in this situation and that situation. Oh, God, help me through. First thing God wants to hear from us is our repentant heart. He wants to hear our confession. He wants to hear, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've sinned in this. Forgive me. I repent of it. But we don't pray that. We pray, give me, Lord, give me, Lord, no matter what kind of life we're living, expecting we're going to receive it. Verse 5. He says, be sure of this. Be sure of this. Where did I run off to here? For this you can be sure. No immoral... What's immoral? I'm reading a book, Hope for the Nations. And the gentleman is explaining how a younger generation doesn't see immorality. They don't see what is immoral. For something can be right for them even though it's sin and is wrong. But it's not immoral. Because everything is taken by how they feel. They don't take facts. They don't take history. They don't take what somebody else says. It's only how they feel and how they think about themselves. If it's immoral for them or not. It described two of my grandchildren to the T how they think. 
and he says, immoral. Now for you, what is immoral? Is it immoral to go out and sleep with somebody and you're not married? No. I feel that he cares for me and I care for him. There's no immorality about that. We care for each other. But then comes this little scripture that says, only in the marriage bed. If it's outside of the marriage bed, now I have to ask the question, is it immoral? If we're not married, is it immoral? Is it immoral? Is it wrong? And our whole nation is struggling with that because sex is the biggest sell on everything. You can't sell a car without sex. You can't sell this without sex. Or you can't sell this over here without sex. It's all hooked and tied to somehow a sexy woman or sex or somebody with no clothes on. It's all tied into that one little thing. And what is the line that is immoral? What does immoral start with? Does it just start in the thinking? Or is it only in the act? What does this start at? And each one of us have to answer that question because he says you will not inherit anything from God if you live an immoral life. And most people judge themselves good by themselves, not according to Scripture. For in Scripture it says there is none that is good. No, not what? Not even one. And he says here, boy, you can be sure of this, no immoral person will inherit any part of the kingdom, anything of the kingdom. Then he goes on and he says from that, impure. What is impure? Do you have impure thoughts? Do you have impure thoughts of the person that you might sit next to or the person that you see on the college campus? Do you have impure thoughts of the lady or gentleman that you're working with, do you have impure thoughts? And impure thought is not just sexual. It can be also hatred, envy, jealousy, impure thoughts. He said you won't inherit anything. So we lose the ability to grab hold of our inheritance because of the way that we condition ourselves in immorality and impure thoughts. Then he moves on a little bit further. And he says, Oh, greedy. Oh, greedy. When is enough enough? Even in the material world, when is enough? Enough. Um, the whole process and greed is here. Yes, it could be financial. You'll cheat in order to gain. You'll lie in order to gain. You'll do somebody wrong in order to gain. 
he says, hell is never satisfied. And people's greed is never satisfied. Men, women, listen to me. Let me have your ears just for a moment. Until you can say no to improper type relationships, all you, all you are doing is satisfying your greed of pleasure. Until you can say no to improper relationships, you are only satisfying your greed for pleasure, lustfulness. And the thing, even for more money, sometimes more money we think will spurge the type of life we want. Money will never purchase the type of life you desire because the best life you'll ever live is living in the will of God. And you can't purchase that. There's not enough money that will set you up in life like God is able to do. But man is hooked on greed and somehow if he get enough money, he's satisfied. What was the guy's name this week that they wound up putting him in jail? He's a billionaire. But his greed put him there. His greed for the wrong thing put him there. But he had the finances and his finances deceived him because in his billions of dollars he thought he could do anything and get away with it. Greed, immoral life, impure life, a life of greed will keep you from gaining the inheritance that the Holy Spirit has for you. He goes on and he says, boy, greed, a greedy person. Such a man is a, what, idolater. What is he explaining? Your goal is on these things, an immoral life. That's your idol now. An impure life, impure thoughts. That's your life now. See, all that stuff, pornography is a dream life. That's not real. That's not real. And greed. There's nothing wrong with wanting a better job. There's nothing wrong with wanting to build your finances. And most of us don't know how to even build our finances. It's step by step by step that you build. And as God prospers, not as you gain, but as God prospers you, you're able. And again, he says, that's your idolatry. This is what you're worshiping. This is what you love. And it's this. You put that over your relationship with God. You put that above. 
serving God. God becomes secondary. That becomes primary. My immoral life, my sleeping with this person or that person outside of marriage, that becomes primary. Not what God says. Not the relationship with God. My impure thoughts become more important than my thoughts on Scripture and memorizing Scripture and what God says. My greed, not for God, but for material things here on this earthly plane that are only temporal and that will pass away. When's the last time you really had a real hunger and greed for God? When's the last time you had spiritual pain on the inside for God? When's the last time you prayed, Lord, fill my cup, fill it up, fill it till it runneth over until I want no more? When's the last time you prayed that you were hungry for God and wanted more of God? That's a good greed. That's a good greed. That you want more of him. More of him. More of him. And you're willing to do anything to get more of him. Because God is God to you. He's more than just a savior. He's more than just a healer. He's more than just a sanctifier. He is God. And he says, and ending that verse, he says, idolatry has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of our God. You lose your inheritance because of these things. And there's many more things that cause you to lose your inheritance. The thing is to begin to focus on God's word and understand. First of all, you're a child of God. And because you are a child of God, you have a right to a certain inheritance. And then you begin to understand what those inheritance are. And you go after them. And allow the Holy Spirit to impart them into your life. Because that's what he's here for. That's what he's here for. He's not just here just to indwell you. He is in He is in you to impart the Christ life. He's in you to impart the inheritance that Christ has purchased on Calvary for you. That you might live a life that is different than this worldly life that many of us struggle with. Jump over to Hebrews 9.15. Hebrews 9.15. Because God wants to give us so much. But it's our lifestyle. It's how we think. It's what our real desires are. That robs us from the inheritance and from the many blessings that God has for us. In 9.15, he says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called 
may receive. Now, catch what goes before there. May what? That you may receive it. You may receive it. Use the word may, it also means you may not receive it. You may not receive it. But that you may receive the promises that are meant for you and I. And may receive the promises. Now catch what he says. Eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free. Set what free? The inheritance. You don't inherit anything from anyone else until after they have what? Yes. And at that point, all that they owned at that point now is set free for you to what? To be able to enjoy. And Christ upon his death and resurrection set those inheritance free that we might enjoy what he has purchased for us. One of the things that removes us from it, I'm doing the best I can. How many of you have heard people say that? God doesn't want you to do the best you can. He wants you to allow him to do the best he can through you. Big difference. Big difference. How many of you have heard say, I'm trying. Stop trying. And let God work through you. You're trying to do this. You're trying to walk away from a relationship. If you let God do it, you'll run away from it. Stop your trying. How many of you have heard this? I can't. But Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. But we sell ourselves and we allow Satan to get in our head rather than the Holy Spirit get in our head. And it's your choice which voice you're going to listen to. You can listen to the scriptures in which the Holy Spirit will take off those pages and make them alive unto you. And that's one of the things that all of us need to see. We need to see God functioning in our lives. You need to see God functioning in our lives. He's not a myth. He's not a myth. He's not sitting up there and don't want to be a part down here. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to be involved in every decision you make. He wants to be involved in all that you do. Lord, should I be dating this guy? Lord, give me the standards for this man's life. Lord, should I be dating this woman? Give me the standards for this woman. Lord, show me if you have brought him into my life or Satan brought him into my life to deceive me. Lord, do you want me on this job 
Oh, Lord, do you want me over on this job? And Lord, whatever one it may be, give me the contentment. Don't let me chase after money. But help me be content where I'm at. True story. Young lady used to attend this church. She had a good job. 13 years on the job. She was making around 65000 but somebody offered her eighty-five and a little more, and she took off. Literally, she got the job, but never met her supervisor until day one. Her supervisor was a practicing witch. Her supervisor back at the university was a Christian. (laughs) But you weren't chasing money. Not praying, Lord, where do you want me to be? Don't forget, Satan will give you what you think is a good opportunity and it may not be what God wants you to have. It may not be what God wants you to have. But we oftentimes chase after money. I hate to say this. Even in church life, too many pastors are chasing money rather than on their knees praying, Lord, where do you want me to be? It's not about the highest salary. It's about where God's will is for you to be. And we're losing that even in church life among pastors. Now, he says, they will not inherit this kingdom. It's an eternal inheritance. So it's there. Eternal inheritance. It's not going to fade away. It's not going to pass away. Your inheritance is there. The question is, will you draw upon it? Will you use it to benefit your life? Now, yep. Oop, went the wrong way. Let's go to John 3, 27. I want you to cap- captivate this. Hold this in mind. Understand that it is real. It's true. John three twenty seven. And John makes this statement, and it's a truth statement. There's only a couple ways in life you're going to receive things. One, you're a hard worker. But you can work hard trying to rob a bank. The guy who broke into the garage out here, he worked a couple hours trying to hit, chip the wood, the metal. He didn't do this in 15 minutes. He worked at it. You can work hard at the wrong thing and think you're prospering. In reality, you are not. Secondly, you can get it from somebody else that they just give it to you. Or thirdly, 
It really does come from God. It really does come from God. That's somehow God does it. Elaine and I, sometimes we look and we have to say, God has done this. We don't know how we put three kids through college. God did it. We don't know how we built a retirement home all on one floor. God did it. We don't know all that we have or possess other than that God did it. And a certain little spiritual scripture that I try to follow. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And John then, he really puts it in his right tone. In verse 27, to this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from where? From heaven. You only receive what has been given to you from heaven. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Some. We thank the young man who comes play for us. He didn't come out the womb doing this. But he started working at it. He enjoys it. Hopefully have a goal to be a musician. Now, that is the raw talent that is given. Now, let's go another step. Because, see, we all receive some raw talent. But what happens when the Holy Spirit takes control of it? Where can it go? What doors will it open? How far can you advance when it's really done in the power of the Spirit for the glory of God? There's no telling where it will go. Each one of us has been given a talent that each one of us will get into later. Also possess a spiritual gift, and spiritual gifts are more than what's just listed. In First Corinthians 12, and Romans 12, it's much more than that. Couldn't list all the gifts. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to take over your life and use that, and He then adds to what you already know or have the ability to do, how much greater it is. How much greater it is. And John just simply says, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. So you can receive what? This much? Maybe this much? Or you can receive what? Yes. But it comes from God. For Satan only comes to steal and to rob. What does he steal? What God desires for you. What does he rob you of? of what God wants to bless you with. 
What does he destroy? Is the life that God would have you to live. First Corinthians three, twenty one. Three twenty one. Listen to what he says. So then no more boasting about men. All things are what? All things are yours. Why would all things be yours? Because God owns all things. And God has already stated in Romans 8, boy, if he would give you his son, what good thing would he what? Withhold from you. The question is, have you met the requirements? Do you live up to it? Is this how God wants to bless you? Is it how God wants to use you? He says, all things are yours. When you have all things, nobody can bribe you. Not even Satan. When you have eternal life and a life with Christ, Satan comes along and bribes you with something that you think is better when it's really worse. Because Satan comes as an angel of light and he makes what he has to offer you really shine. But it's nothing but fool's gold. It's really nothing. And when you lean on your own understanding, it's the worst thing you can do. Because every man sees himself right how? In his own eyesight. And those ways will lead to death constantly or destruction. He says, all things are yours. Do you believe that God has all that you have need of? And he will provide you with it? Because you belong to him. All things. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. Why is all things yours? Because all things belong to who? Christ. All things belong to God. Are you hid in Christ? Is Christ your heartbeat? Is Christ your first thought in the morning, last thought at night? Where does he fit in your life? What God has freely given us. But you need to understand what God has made available for you. He gives it freely. Only thing he asks of you is that you live the life that he wants you to live. He will provide all that you have need of. If you make it up in your mind to be a godly man, watch what God will do. 
If you make it up in your mind to live as a godly woman, watch what God will do. When you surrender yourself to God, you no longer have to be on the outlook looking for something to gain something because it all comes from heaven as God desires you to have it. Now that doesn't mean you go somewhere and sit down. Um, mm, That's not going to get it. But it's how you live and honor him and glorify him. Three. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20, you've been bought with a price. You're his. You're his. Come here. Yeah, come here. What kind of tennis shoes you got on? One white, one black. Did you buy them that way? Did you buy them? Who bought them? Your dad. Why did he buy them? Pardon? Because you play basketball. How about because you're his son? You think he bought them because of that? Did he buy your neighbor a pair of shoes? He didn't. Why? That's not his son. But you are his what? Who bought this outfit? No, she didn't. She paid all that money that you could have on this little Nike outfit and so forth. You must have worked awful hard around the house to get it. (laughs) But she bought it for you because she what? She loves you. Thank you. And that's what God does for us. He clothes us. He houses us. He takes care of us. Because first of all, he's my parent. He's my Abba Father and I am his responsibility. He takes care of us. He ministers to us. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, but I want you to catch this, and we'll be about ready to close out. I'm going to get you out of here early again. But my back just not going to hold up. 15, 21 through 22. And I want you to recognize it's first Adam, second Adam. And it's so important to be able to do that that you understand what you inherited from the first Adam and then what you received from the second Adam. It's important to be able to understand that. So picking up in verse 21, he says, For since death came through a man, 
the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Adam caused death. And we all lived under the sentence of death because of what Adam did. So in a sense, I can say I inherited death from Adam. All that Adam possessed, in a sense, I inherited, which boiled down to death. Being put out of the garden. I wasn't born in the garden. I was born in sin. Adam was created, not in a world of sin. He was born in a world that didn't know sin on planet earth. But because he was put out of the garden, I inherited his sin nature and all, go, and all that goes with that sin nature. I inherited. But it also says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And because Christ rose from the dead, all his promises are amen. All of his inheritance is for me. And he demonstrates eternal life. Because the grave couldn't hold him and the grave can't hold me and the grave has no fear for us. Because we have inherited the life of Christ. Go a little further. He says, For since death comes through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam, all what? All you deserved was what? Death. So in Christ, all will be made what? Alive. And he means for you to live an abundant life. Not just survive. Not just trying. Not just getting over. but that you are drawing upon the inheritance that he has purchased for you, that you might live an abundant life, and that you will live a life that is different from the people of this world. Last one, closing, is that he gives us all things, Romans 8.32. Unless you really recognize God gives. As John says, God gives it. Every good and perfect gift cometh from where? From above. Man never gives without a false motive. Man gives to get. Man gives oftentimes in order to indebt another person to them.
the whole process in learning to give as Christians freely with no motive behind it. I give under the direction of God. I give to others under the direction of God. Because it's the kindness of God that draws people. It's the kindness of God that draws people. And people need to see you being kind, being gentle, being long-suffering, which this world misses. But if you're in Christ, that's part of your inheritance. Well, you're no longer all knotted up in anger. You're You're not all knotted up in your past. You're not all mean towards people and ready to snap their heads off because they do something wrong. But you're there with wisdom and understanding. You're using your inheritance to minister to others. So in Romans 8, verse 32... He says, he who did not spare his own son. A gentleman and I were talking and we were talking about another family member and um, he had been quite frank. And I stopped and I shared with him. Do you understand that Christ went out of his way just to reach you? He didn't have to leave heaven. He left all the comforts of heaven so that you might have salvation and that you might mean this other person. And then they caught it. Christ left the comforts of heaven that you and I might have a different life that does not reject people, but go after the rejection, those who are being rejected, those who are outcasts, those who are not part of the kingdom of God, that we show kindness to, love to, patience with, understanding, and our hope is that in it all, they see God. They see God. They see God. He who did not spare his own son. What else could have God have done for us? Could he took the ante up rather than sacrificing 10,000 lambs? Let's do 20,000. There was nothing more God could have given than his own son. So he uses that as an illustration to us, for us. If God is for, if God is for us in this whole front, he who did not spare his own son, why? He's for us. He's not against you. He's for you. 
He wants to see you live life abundantly. He wants to see you with the right husband, the right wife that will love and cherish and care for you. He wants to see you not with rebellious children, but with children who love you, respect you, and honor you. God means good to us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him? Now catch this last line. Graciously, graciously, graciously give us all things. Graciously give us all things. Graciously. Give it to us. In other words, he wants us to have it. He wants us. He he knows we're not holy, but he wants us to have holiness. He wants us to have purity of mind. He wants us to have a clean conscience. He wants us to have an honest heart, even as we evaluate ourselves. He knows the heart is deceitfully wicked and who knows it but him. And that's why he interacts with you with this. God wants to give you an untold treasure in life that you yourself could never discover without the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and we pray.